Well, I'm on. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's nice to be back uh, with the uh, church at Eltham, even though there is uh, significantly less people here uh, than when I was last here. Uh, but hopefully you're all at home watching this online. Um, I have actually put on a pair of uh, like smart trousers, which I think is the first pair of smart trousers I've put on in months. Uh, normally for um, uh, the River Church, we do it on Zoom, so uh, I can just sit in my shorts in my chair. Um, but it's great to be uh, here this morning, and I really believe that God wants to bring a word to us this morning. And this has been something that uh, God has been really putting on my heart over, I I guess, many weeks, really, and really months. And so I suppose it isn't a complicated message. It isn't something particularly that... um, that you're going to suddenly hear and think, wow, I've never heard this before. But it's really simply this, that I believe God wants to bring you and me into more of himself. God wants to bring us into a greater revelation of who he is and what he's all about in our lives. And so I hope that as we look this morning uh, at the Bible, as we consider what it says, that God would speak to your heart, that God would communicate across the the wonderful mediums of video and YouTube um, and that you would catch something of what the Spirit is doing in our lives. So I want, if you have a Bible, um, I don't know if you you have or you haven't, I can't tell, but if you do, uh, we're going to be reading this morning from Matthew uh, chapter 16. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 16, just for now, verses 13 through to 17. And it's a famous passage. It's when Peter identifies Jesus as the Christ. And it says, uh, it says, Now when Jesus had come into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I want this morning to talk about heavenly revelation. How do we get in our lives more heavenly revelation? And so, uh, you you know, to set the scene, Jesus has taken his disciples to this place called uh, Caesarea Philippi. Um, And uh, as far as I can understand, it was a place where there were lots and lots of uh, idols and other gods and temples. And so it's against this backdrop, this backdrop of all of these other gods, all of these other ideas, philosophies, religions. And Jesus says, who do people say I am? And back then, Jesus was not yet fully understood. And in fact, Jesus was many things to many people. And the fact that they give different answers, uh, you know, indicates that people didn't yet really understand who Jesus was. For some people, he was John the ba- he was he was John the Baptist. He was they obviously didn't have, obviously had met John the Baptist, otherwise they might have, unless they had similar beards. I don't know, um, but John the Baptist was a good moral figure. Uh, he was calling the nation to repentance. Maybe he was Elijah. Elijah was a worker of great miracles and great power. 
What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a political reforming prophet calling the nation to change. Or maybe he was just another prophet, a, a man with spiritual revelation from God. But you see, Jesus today is still many things to many people. He is still just to many people a good moral figure. You know, his values of love and tolerance uh, and kindness are to be commended. You know, we need more of that kind of Jesus, you know, uh, and that's what the world says. We like Jesus because he talks about things that are good and moral. For some people, they're desperate for Jesus to be a healer, to be a life changer. Many people love Jesus because he's offered as a solution to all of your problems, to all of your financial problems, to all of your uh, physical problems, to all of your emotional problems. Jesus is all of those things. And maybe he's just a miracle worker. Many Christians are looking to Jesus to bring about political reform. Maybe if we can use uh, the Christian message, we can change the world. And some people are just seeking Jesus for a spiritual experience. But the whole point that, that Jesus was trying to bring Peter to is he was trying to show him something more than that. And he asked him the question, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? What is Jesus to you? What is Jesus to me? And I I want to just uh, show you a little bit, if I can, uh, some of Peter's journey, because it's interesting. This is like an epiphany moment for Peter, when he comes into a revelation that we're going to see hasn't come from just his own understanding or from what he's seen, but God has revealed something to him, as we read in our scripture. So the first thing we, we realise about Peter, and I've been reading, the, the reason this comes, I've been reading really slowly the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and sometimes I reread the same chapter again and again and just spend a long time in a small passage. And, and it's just, God's been speaking to me. But one of the things that you see is that Peter's been there from the beginning. And instantly, his revelation of Jesus was by what he had seen and what he had heard. He had been watching Jesus at work. So really early on, we see that one of the first miracles that Jesus does in Mark is heal Jesus' mother-in-law. There might be some men here that wouldn't necessarily be so keen on Jesus healing their mother-in-law. But I know I would be. My mother-in-law is wonderful. Um, But uh, he heals. So he's watched Jesus. Wow, imagine, you know, she didn't just get healed. She got up and she immediately went and served the tables. He'd seen Jesus turn water into wine. He'd seen Jesus cast out demons. So Jesus, Peter is seeing Jesus as this God, this this man of great power. Wow, isn't this incredible? But not only that, he sees Jesus as a great teacher. Uh, One of the words that Mark uses, or phrase that Mark uses, really regularly in the early chapters of his gospel, is that there was Jesus was taught with authority. He was a man of authority. And You imagine Peter sitting and listening to Jesus. Jesus was, if you think that I'm good, and I hope you think that I'm good this morning, right? But if you think I'm good, then you think about how good it must have been to listen to Jesus teach. It must have been absolutely incredible. And so Peter has seen Jesus at work. He has heard and understood some of this incredible teaching. But that's that's not enough. That's not all there is to know. Everybody had, lots of people had seen what Jesus had done and lots of people had heard what Jesus had said, but they hadn't yet come to that revelation. The other thing that we, we realise about Peter is that so the, he had revelation by seeing and hearing. He also had revelation of who God was by the doing. 
Jesus had involved Peter personally in many of the miracles. It was Peter who walked on the water. Peter had been sent out as part of the 12 and I guess the 72 to heal the sick, to cast out the demons. Peter had been there when he'd helped feed 5,000 people. You give them something to eat, Jesus says to him. You see, Jesus was empowering Peter to do more than he ever thought would have, would have ever thought was possible. Surely, Peter knows who Jesus is. And yet we see that Peter didn't yet really understand who Jesus was. If you read Mark chapter 6, verse 52, after Jesus walked on the boat, it says they didn't get it. And it says in Mark chapter 52, it says they missed the miracle of the loaves because their hearts were hard and could not yet understand. You see, one of the things that happens is that we can have seen so much. We can have seen Jesus at work. We can have heard great teaching. We can have even been empowered and do things. And yet there is something more that God wants to reveal to you and me about himself. And there are so many people, I think, that have seen and have touched and have been involved, but they haven't yet experienced all that God wants to reveal to them. You see, I think that we can think that this life that Peter led up to this point is the pinnacle of the Christian life. I know that I might think that. You know, imagine I've heard the great teaching. I know the stuff that there is to know. I can do great miracles. I can, I, and I can heal the sick. Imagine that, if, if you had that testimony, Peter would be the most sought-after conference speaker in the world. You imagine the stories that Peter could tell. And, he, and imagine the, the teaching he'd be able to give that he'd heard. You imagine the, the, the altar call, the lines for people that would have wanted to get healing. But Jesus is saying that's not all. And I tell you why. Everything Peter knew about Jesus was external. It was external. It's what they'd seen. It's what they'd heard. It's what they'd done. It was all out there. There was a revelation that God wanted to bring to his heart that was internal. It was utterly something different. It was something much more. It wasn't power or teaching or knowledge or information. It was a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is the word for you and me and our churches today. There is more that God wants to show you and God wants to bring you into. There is a heavenly revelation of himself that will bring alive everything that you have heard. There is a revelation that God wants to bring out in you that means that it's not about what you do, it's about the way you are inside, that something has changed deep within us. You see, unfortunately, and I'm really sorry to break this to you, you can know all about Jesus. You can have seen Jesus do miracles. Maybe you've seen Jesus do miracles in your family, in your life. You might be so good at the Christian thing, I sometimes play this game, that I know what the speaker's going to say by the passage that he reads at the beginning. You can be a great doer for God. You can have done great things. You could have gone on mission trips. You could have even done miracles yourself. You could have prayed for people and they get healed. But I want to tell you folks that there is something more that God is looking to reveal to us in these days. You see, power is not the pinnacle. Knowledge is not the goal. Happiness is not the true measure. You see, we are living in an age of information, communication. But let me tell you, we don't need more information. We don't need more good communication. We need more revelation. 
We need more heavenly, divine, spiritual revelation to the hearts of men and women. And I hope that you're listening to me this morning and something in you is saying, yes, Lord, I want that. I want more of it. I can hear a great speaker speak and I can enjoy it, but it leaves me cold. I can sit and worship and I can be enjoyed and swept up in the emotion of the music, but I'm left flat at the end of it. We do not need more information. We do not need more communication. We need more revelation. And I want to challenge those of you that have been Christians for a long time. Because I'm, I, I'm not just talking about non-believers here. I'm not just talking about folks that might be in the church that have been struggling with the same old issues for years and years. I'm talking to you guys. But I'm also talking to the older Christians, you mature Christians. And you probably know what I'm talking about. You know that kind of revelation. But the truth is, is the days have gone by since, it's been a while since some of this, this revelation has been fresh to you. It's been a while since actually you've sat and you've sat alone with the Lord in the Word and you've been reading it and your heart is alive. And you're praying and you sense God speaking in such a wonderful way to you. And your life is being changed as you, as, you, as you go about your business because you are living in a different way because of this revelation that God is bringing to you. And I've realised it's a challenge to me. We have to continually seek and live in more and more of the revelation of God. So let's go back to our passage. So it says, verse 15, um, he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are, Christ, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered to him, and you, I can just hear it in Jesus' voice, you know. He's been doing these miracles. He's been teaching them. He's been showing them. And there's been crowds to the left and crowds to the right. And finally, somebody gets it. And he hears this, 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 these words from, from Peter and they say, and he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know, it, it, it sounds, uh, you know, when to say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, might not sound like much of a revelation to us. Because we've had 2,000 years of, of that being explained to us. But Jesus had been actively keeping his identity a secret. He'd been telling people, don't say who I am. He told the demons, don't say who I am. Only a handful of people knew. This is more than just Peter making a statement about Jesus' identity. This is Peter who has suddenly come to know something. Like he knows something. He suddenly gets it. Suddenly of his spirit, he understands something that could not simply be seen, heard or done. You see, that's what uh, Jesus said. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What he's saying is no person, no experience, no great speaker, no Bible study course, yeah, no great worship set, no uh, anything you can do could have revealed this to you. Just think about that for a moment. There are things that, that we cannot learn from God in a book, even the Bible. There are things that God has to reveal to us. God always reveals himself in the Bible, but you can read the Bible and it can just be a book. It can be a book of good teachings only when the Father reveals something from heaven that it moves from being external to being internal. It moves from being about what you sense, your senses, you, your, you know, what you see, you touch, you feel, to something personal. 
something inside you. And so I want to I say to you this morning that, that the Lord Jesus wants to reveal himself. I believe that this, this kind of revelation, it changes us. It changes us. It really does. This wasn't Peter just going, oh yeah, you're, you're Christ, son of God. This was like, you are the Christ. You are the one. I now get it. I now see it. And as we learn from Peter, it wasn't like that was it and then he understood everything because we see a few verses later, he didn't quite understand everything. But something had happened inside of him. And I believe that God is calling us to move beyond the realms of just information, communication, understanding into a realm of revelation of the Spirit. If you live and walk as someone that's moving by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you will be a different kind of Christian, a different kind of person. <clears throat> so what is this? Oh, my voice is going, look. <clears throat> so what is this revelation? <clears throat> Let's cough again. <coughs> beloved. <coughs> so what is this revelation? Well, it's not just... What are you laughing? They're laughing at me. They're laughing at me. So what is this revelation then? Well, let me tell you, it's not just knowledge, it's knowing. It's not just knowledge, it's knowing. I, it's not just I know, I, I kind of can tell you the facts, it's I know it deep in my heart. You see, I can tell you uh, that God loves you. And you can know it in theory, but it has to be revealed to you from heaven. I've got people that I've spent so many, so many hours and time with who I love dearly. And the same conversation comes up again and again. And they say, I know God loves me, but I don't really know it. I don't really believe it yet. And I think there are so many people that do not live in the love of God. They don't know it in their heart. They know the theory. They, they try and recite the promises of God. And we say, we, we talked about it this morning, you know, the promises of God are yes and amen. Let me tell you something. You can repeat the promises of God again and again, but what has to happen somewhere along the lines, that promise has to go from something in here to something in here. Otherwise, it's just, just self-help. It's just good truth. And, and you may be sitting there thinking this morning, I'm just not sure God really loves me. I want to tell you that God wants to reveal it to you in your deep places, that you are loved by Him. What about this? That you're forgiven. I, I've spent time in my, in my work with people and the truth is they cannot live free because they do not, they are not able to forgive themselves. They have not yet received the forgiveness of God. Oh yeah, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. Well, does your face know that? Does your heart know that? Because it doesn't. And there are so many Christians, I believe, that they've seen what God has done. They've, they've, they've even been involved in what God is doing, but they don't yet have that deep knowing of God. What about joy? You, let me tell you, when you meet someone that has had a heavenly revelation of God, there's a joy about them. There's a joy, and you can meet them in really difficult circumstances and times. And you think, how are you able to know the joy of the Lord. Well, it's because they know. They're not trying to say to them, God is good, God is good, God is good. I must remember that God is good. God is good all the time. Right? They just know that God is good. And even when their hearts, right, 
Oh, oh, you know, their emotions feel like God is not good. They know that God is good. I remember when I was a young man, I would have been, uh, would have been in this church, actually. I would have been about seven or eight. And we had a Romanian pastor, he was called Ilya. And he had been persecuted, right? Timo, you don't know who it is, all right? Um, and, and he'd been persecuted in the, uh, the Romanian persecution. And I think they, and he said, my mind got completely scrambled. He said, I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know, I couldn't remember the Bible. He said, but I knew that Jesus was real. He said, because it knew something happened in my heart and you can confuse me and mess me up or, you know, and you can put me under all kinds of pressure, but I tell you that I know that it's real. There's a song that I used to sing and it's an old hymn um, and it says, it's called, I serve a risen saviour. Do you remember that, Drew? I serve a risen saviour. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. And this is the the, the chorus. It goes, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. And this is my favourite line. Do you know what it is? You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. If you don't know that, God wants to reveal it to you. If it's been a long time since you felt that in your heart, that sense of the revelation of God showing himself to you, then God wants to open you up to it again. He wants to bring you into a place where what you understand about Jesus is not external, it's internal, that no one can take it away from you, that you don't need a promise book to keep remembering the promises of God because they've been written into your heart. You see, I think for some people, your knowledge is not just external, it's historical. It's historical. So many people have this revelation of God and then they don't follow and pursue it any longer. They don't push in and so their their revelation is of what they remember of Jesus. That what they remember of God doing and they talk about what God did 20 years ago or 10 years ago. The revelation of Jesus has to be today. It has to be what you you pick up the Word and you read it. I'm not saying this happens every day. But if you have gone months and months or years and you're picking up your Bible and you read it and you think, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing the HDB Bible reading scheme, so I'm ticking the box. When Jesus is alive, you pick up the Word and you can read one line and spend 20 minutes just, just enjoying God in that one line. When you pray, does the Lord fill your soul with joy unspeakable? I want to just encourage you this morning that that God is calling you into receiving a fresh, a heavenly revelation of himself. You see, this is the real mark of heavenly revelation, right? It's not emotional, although it may have an emotional thing. It's not just, you know, something, it's, you know, ethereal or, or weird or kind of, it's this. Heavenly revelation of Jesus brings life. It brings life. It makes things come alive. It makes the Word of God come alive. It makes your Christian life come alive. It makes your prayer life come alive. It makes your relationships come alive. That When you preach, you're suddenly preaching and you're not just communicating information, you're communicating life. And people are hearing you talk and they're saying, oh, there's something about this man that is, is special. 
You know, I remember, uh, you know, so I realised that the church has, has, has moved on a long way now. But there was a guy who used to be in this church, who used to live up in Timo and Bianca's flat, right? He lived, just so you know, Timo, he lived in your office. That was it. That and the toilet. That was his entire room. There was a guy called Dave Weatherly, right? Some of you will remember him, some of you won't. You remember him, Dave? Yeah. Um, and, um, and the thing about Dave is he could talk for half an hour and you'd have no idea what he'd said, right? You couldn't necessarily even follow it. But let me tell you, at the end of it, you were like, I have received something of the Lord because this man knows Jesus. And when he talks, he's talking about not somebody he, he's read about or somebody he's kind of thought about. He's, he's talking about someone who lives within him. And what comes out is Jesus. You can have worship leaders, right? I tell you, you, and it's a challenge to worship leaders. They can know the songs. They can know how to put worship together. But when you uh, sit under the, and you're blessed here, right, to have worship leaders that can do this, but you can sit under a worship leader who knows all the songs, knows all the theology, knows it right, but there's someone, when you hear someone that knows Jesus, they could communicate it to you and you're swept up in it. I realise that God is bringing a shift in my ministry, personally. And I, I realise I used to spend a lot of time trying to tell people about biblical truth, right? I'm not saying I'm going to stop doing that, right? Um, but trying to help them with their struggles and trying to, you know, support them and do all this kind of stuff, which is all important. But I realise that, that if, I, if they can't get this revelation, then, I, then we're just going around in circles, if they do not understand from heaven the love of God, I'm wasting my, I'm not wasting my time, but I'm like, you know, they're not going to go anywhere. And you know, the challenge for me as a church leader is to be a man who is so committed to prayer and to following the Lord and asking that when I speak or when I pray or when I counsel or when I do anything, that what I want to do is minister to people's life. That's what changes people. You know, uh, again, I'm using my historical knowledge of Eltham here, right? But uh, this church was built by John's dad, right? A guy called Terry Watson, who I had the pleasure of being under his ministry when I was a child. And I have had the pleasure of working with people whose lives have been changed by his ministry. Now, he, Terry was above all everything else. He was a pastor. And, and people would come into Eltham a mess, Right? And they would come in and he wouldn't just sit down with them and offer some good advice or listen to them, but he had something about what his pastoral ministry communicated something of life because he knew something of God that was able to pass to them. And so people's lives were changed by what he was able to share with them. I want to, this is what I think about my own life, my own ministry. I don't want you to think about how good a communicator I am or how good a Bible teacher I am, or how good a pastor I am, or how good a leader I am, or how good a worship leader I am, what I want to know is whether you've got hold of Jesus. And you cannot get hold of Jesus from me unless I know Jesus. Unless I have that revelation of God. You see, we do not need more activity. We do not need more information in the church. We do not need more communication. We have all of those things, and those things are wonderful what we need is more revelation of the Holy Spirit in these days. We need more of God. You know, if we want to see the world changed, we need more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I know I need that. When I talk to someone, do they hear Jesus? Because I have been living in that revelation of Jesus. You cannot give what you do not have. If you do not have something of Jesus, you're not going to give them Jesus. You're going to give them your knowledge. If all you've got, right, 
is a food parcel, you're going to give them food. If what you have is life, the food parcel is, what, is, is a side benefit. If you remember nothing else from today, I pray that you would seek God for a revelation of, a fresh revelation of himself. So I'm going to finish with this, right? How do we get this revelation? How do we get a revelation of Jesus in a fresh way? Well, I want to tell you, I'm really sorry. There's no clever, new, exciting answers. I'm not going to give you a technique that you're going to think, oh, good, finding revelation in 10 simple steps. It's a hard answer. It's a simple answer, but it's the only one that works. Number one, you have to seek it. You have to seek God. The thing is, do you know why I think Peter got the revelation? right? And you see it through Peter's life. It bears it out. He was a man that was just seeking after Jesus. There was something in his spirit that was saying, Jesus, I want you. And everywhere you go, you can hear it when he denies Jesus. He says, you know, you can hear it, can't you? Even though he's going to deny Jesus, he said, I will never leave you. Even if everyone else does, I won't. And although he's messed it up, that was his spirit. Do we have that heart that says, Jesus, I've just got to have you. Wherever you go, whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, I want you. I want to encourage you, get down on your knees again, alone, and start asking God to reveal himself to you through his word. Keep seeking, keep looking. Don't do it once and think, oh, well, it didn't work. Tim was obviously wrong. That's not seeking. There's something in our hearts that has to say, yes, God. And if you know what I'm talking about this morning, I believe there are people that, that God is speaking to right now. And whether you're listening to this live or whether you're listening to this, I don't know, in 10 years' time, who knows, right? If, it's, if YouTube's still going by then, who knows, right? <clears throat> but in this moment, God is speaking to you in this moment. God is speaking to you and he is calling out of you something more. And he's saying, I want to bring you into a greater measure of life than you have. I want to reveal things to you that you have not yet seen, that flesh and blood cannot teach you. There's no good going on a course or going to listen to more teaching. The only way you'll get it is getting alone with God. I'm sorry, it's a simple answer, but it's a boring answer and it's not an enjoyable answer, but it's the only one. And this is the other thing that you have to do. Number one is seek and number two is surrender. The only way you can get a fresh revelation of God is being willing to give up everything. And that's why so many people don't get it. So many people heard Jesus. They saw Jesus. They were even involved with Jesus. They didn't ever really have that knowing of Jesus. Why? Because they weren't prepared to give everything. If you're holding on to something, there's not space for everything. If you're not holding on, if you're holding on to something, there's not space for everything. And you can see Peter, didn't he? And we, if we just read a few more verses down, when Jesus starts to talk about the fact he's going to die and suffer, Peter's like, no, I'm not interested in that. And then he realises, ah, oh, that's what it means. I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to stand in the room. Come on, let's stand up in the room. And those of you that are at home. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. But really, it's not just about what I pray. It's about the fact that you have to, in your heart, say, Lord, I am going to get hold of you, God. I'm going to get hold of you, that I might be a minister of life, that I might have this kind of life, this kind of truth, this kind of revelation that I so desperately need. Lord, I want to pray that you would begin to pour out your spirit in Elton Green Community Church. 
Lord, you would pour out your spirit in a fresh way in these days. Lord, that there would be those that suddenly find that, that their life is coming alive in the things of God. That when they read the Scriptures, Lord, that you are bringing stuff alive, that they're just bursting at the seams with stuff that you are revealing. Lord, that you would start pouring out life, that prayer becomes so vital and life-energising in people's lives that they're just hungry for more of you. Lord, Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. That's how we know you, Lord, is that when we know you, we want more of you. Lord, I want to pray that you would begin to pour your spirit in homes even now. Lord, that as people are responding to you, is that you are saying, as they're saying yes to you, as they're committing again to seek after you in a, for a fresh, in a fresh way, that they would receive something right now of you. Lord, that in these days, Lord, that though we may not be able to meet apart, that it wouldn't matter. Because if we are people that are, build our entire lives on seeing and hearing and doing, then we need to keep seeing and hearing and doing to feel anything. When we know something deeper of God, we realise that we can just be with you. Lord, I want to pray for release of your, of your presence and your love in the church in these days, Lord. Not just in Elton, but in River Church, in our other MLG churches, Lord. Lord, that there be this revelation of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Amen, Jesus. Hallelujah, that you want to come. Amen, and move in our lives. Praise your wonderful name, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. And the guys are going to come back and, and, and sing.